Matt's got the voice, isn't he? He's got the voice for radio or the voice for like Google. Can you imagine yeah. Matt sort of giving you directions around something? Oh, please don't. Please turn it out. <laughs> that would be quite. That would be I've, quite scary. I've only had that for fifty years, Jim. <laughs> 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 who would be you've arrived be? at your destination <laughs> oh, <fuck> <laughs> <off>. <laughs> I, what always cracks me up is if you're on uh, you know British Google and you're in uh, Europe somewhere and it's giving you directions and pronouncing all the names of the street really streets really hilariously it makes it laugh but who would be the person you would like either most or least like to hear pop up on Google Maps if you were giving you directions, Jamie Carragher. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, Go on, that is a off. good shout. That is. Yeah, it's a good that shout. That is a man with the irritating voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, a combination of Jamie Carragher and Carragher and Micah Richards. That would be a. That would be awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> Micah Richards. I quite like Micah Richards. I quite like yeah, Micah Richards. Yeah, but he as just long as he was laughing. As long as he's laughing, he as long as he's laughing while he's giving me directions. Liz yeah. Truss. Oh, oh, can you imagine? Get lost. Turn left. <laughs> turn no, she left. just she never just turn get, left. No, no, she, she never turns turn left. She just <laughs> gets you to keep turning right. Surely you turn right until you go round in circles. Turn right for the new pork market. Oh God, God! Then, honestly, the, I just oh, I, well, you wouldn't listen to her because you'd just switch off, wouldn't you? No, you wouldn't. No, you, you wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got another one actually because I was going to ask you about whether you're still sad about Annie Nightingale. So maybe Annie Nightingale doing the directions. Mm. I don't know. That'd be good. Oh, that'd be it? great. That'd yeah. be great. Are we still sad yeah. about Annie Nightingale? Of course. Well, I'm still. I'm very sad about Annie Nightingale. For formative years, isn't it? Listening to legend. Her. Yeah. Legend. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, Sunday night, seven till nine, state of, in fact, she called it state of the art request show. That was essential listening, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it's the kind of, um, and she was kind of still going, wasn't she? I don't really listen to the. I think the, the uh, she was on Radio 1 for a bit. Yeah. She was. I think the drugs had finally got to her. I mean, she was 83, <laughs> but I think the drugs had finally got to her in the end. Uh, Allegedly. She was hanging on. Yes. Yeah. Well, I should say you are listening to For the Love of Pog, a podcast mostly about cycling and not pioneering female DJs of the 70s and 80s. I am here. Hey. Hey. Oh, goodness me. Loz is here. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Stu is here. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> Hooray. We were, we're really pleased. Surprise, I know. Stu. No- Surprised you now. Before it's, it's we get like a, to, I know, before we get <laughs> to anyone else who may or may not be here, now the regular listener will know that in the last episode we were chatting about one of the For the Love of Pogs quartet's big day. We spoke about him being in forced isolation and staying away from his family and the dreaded COVID because he didn't want to risk any more delays for something that has already been ten years in the making and at least four on the NHS waiting list. Damn those Tory governments. But has he been under the knife? Is he able to gyrate both of those hips? Will he no longer be cycling on one leg? The listener will want to know, is the all-new Andy here? What I'm really flattered by, Matt, is that the bit of the show that you've written this this <laughs> week is, is about me. I know, but, it, but is, it, is it true, though? The written bit, no, no, no. The uh, true to form, it was uh, postponed. But I think probably, um, probably going to happen a week on Monday, the 29th. Oh. And if anybody wants to join me, Central Middlesex Hospital week on Monday, the 29th. You're welcome to come along. We can clap you in. You're Do welcome we to, to come along. Clap is, there, me in. Is, is there a you public gallery? <laughs> I don't think that's one for you, Matt. <laughs> Oh goodness! But well, you should know. Well, it's, it's no. a shame actually because I did have a much longer intro done if if you had actually had the operation done. But I thought I'd better cut it short. But we'll go for that again next time. But uh, so talk us through what happened. <laughs> Why the delay? Well, it's it's um it's delayed. But there's a new. Oh god, this is. I don't know how much of this detail you want really. But there's a. I want new it. We want all the, the detail. <laughs> All the details. So in the part of London I live in, there's a new system where people, uh, pi- pi- elective surgery, as they hilariously call it, because I didn't choose to have 
osteoarthritis, but elective surgery, as they call it, um, for slightly younger patients with, you know, kind of a relatively good prognosis for immediately after the operation are being operated on in a, in a, an, a specialist orthopedic center in Central Middlesex Hospital. Um, and you, your surgeon has to come and do that. But you're, so whichever surgeon you're under will come and do it. But then they kind of go away and leave you there afterwards, whereas normally the, you would be in the same hospital that the surgeon is based in. But if you're kind of lower risk, I did warn you that you might not want to know all this but as, as, as faces glaze over. Anyway, what that means is that every, every Monday in, uh, for the next few weeks, they're doing a bunch of um, hips and knees and other things. And so there are slots available for the for next forthcoming Mondays, really. It just was unfortunately not last Monday, so I got bumped and moved on. But it looks like I'm in for the 29th, and if not, then probably the 6th. But what that has meant is that inadvertent, because they recommend you don't drink for two weeks beforehand, so that's meant an inadvertent dry January, which I wasn't planning. <laughs> but but I'm now going to end up basically having a dry January and most of February as well, because they don't like you to drink too much afterwards either. So um, anyway, right. Thanks for the response well, for that, guys. Anyway. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, how did you? Because obviously you're very very close to uh, to it all yeah. happening. So how did you how did yeah. you feel about that? Um, I mean, it's a, it's happened before, so it's a mixed it's a mixed emotion of um, you know, kind of oh my god, I've got to go through all this kind of preparation and stuff again, and you know, it does need to be done, and a deep relief really because you think, oh, geez, thank God for that, I'm going to have it done, but you know, it's going to have to happen. So, so the chances Monday. of it happening, we said the 29th, the chances of that are the same as they uh, were pretty before. Pretty good, but I think the chances of it happening with the next within the next month or so are very good. So, yeah one has to be a bit flexible in the current NHS system or at least as flexible as one can be with a osteoarthritis I think you're in, I think you've got a good lead out train now haven't you you know what I mean yeah, you're in there it's right, a bunch sprint. You, you're there you're going to get over the line I think yeah that's right well what you want to see is is you getting into that final straight with your surgeon in front of you, giving you that, you know, full lead nice out toe. so that you you have a nice toe or hip. And, uh, but it's all done. <laughs> Apparently the guy, the guy in the kind of bookings team, who's very nice. And I've now got to know quite well in, uh, in central Middlesex, who's booking the slots. He, um, he was saying, Oh, you know, we, we need to do in the next few weeks because we've got your hips all made for you. It's all ready. So the Pendleton oh, hip. Pendleton hip. Is it bespoke to you and your body? I don't think so. I think it's probably. Has he got your name on it? Like you know, like like a nice cycling jersey might have sort of, like, or a nice cycling bike has got. You know, or like an yeah. iPhone. Yeah, you can I, have it. You can a have it. Pendleton embossed. with a little GB yeah. flag next to it. Yeah. yeah, I could. I'll ask them to see if they'll <laughs> do. You that. should ask him. Has it got a sticker? And if not, can I have a sticker on it? Yeah. <laughs> They'll have, to, they'll, they'll have to put some out. mark on it because obviously, you know, which one they're going to put in your leg compared to somebody else's, I would think, wouldn't they? Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah. again, I'd hope so. I'd hope they put the right one in the right leg. Imagine if it was too short. Oh, no. <laughs> too short. Well, it can happen. That's one of the, um, you know, they in the risks, having one leg shorter than the other is a risk. It's quite common after a hip operation. I mean, it'd only be millimetres, but... So you're nearly in the uh, the uh, the sprint stage. It's been the longest stage of your life, though, uh, Andy, hasn't it? I suppose. I think circuits, but with an indeterminate number of circuits <laughs> at the end of a stage. But at least, uh, well, at least I've got to go round, go round again, guys, <laughs> round again. But at least it's not months and months. At least you're sort of on, on a weekly yeah, trip no, now. Exactly. I'm more optimistic, really, than I have been before, because there is this new uh, new route available the circuits thing is in my head because i was listening to i was watching the uh last stage of the tour down under earlier we might want to talk about that at some stage i realize i don't want to break out of your um your pre-allotted agenda matt but i feel like i'll probably talk to talk the hit thing out now we need to you probably have. i was gonna say well, we had a we had a we had a listener, had a listener gone. at the beginning he's, but he's, i think they've gone They've gone now. They've gone. They, they've had enough hip chat. Yeah. Um, let's come back yeah. to the tour down under because something else happened this week that I think we both should start with, which is uh, Dave Brailsford, you know, head honcho at uh, Sky, then Ineos is uh, stepping down. And I think 
it, I mean, it's some ways a surprise, but maybe not. But the surprise for me is how long it seems to have taken. I think Ineos did a lot of restructuring, and I can't remember the last time I ever saw him being interviewed after a race, but he's decided to spend less time with cycling and more time with Manchester United. Jim Radcliffe, for some oh, reasons, obviously, no, no, <laughs> reasons better known to him. But it kind yeah. of feels like the end of an era, era, sort of finally. What do we think, Loz? End of an era for uh, for Ineos and all that. I, I think, as you say, he's been he's been full. It's been he's been not noticeable around cycling for quite a long time. Ineos is a very different team to Sky, uh, as it was, and he's not he's, he hasn't been sort of right in the thick of it for quite a long time. So I think. Uh, yeah, it's not really a surprise. Uh, I'd be interested to know what he's doing an audit, isn't he? That's his job. He's doing an audit at Manchester United. So he's going around with a clipboard, asking questions. He's being paid an awful lot of money. Well, I'm just wondering if the last conclusion, uh, I'm wondering if in his audit, his conclusion will, will basically say, yes, they're shit. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and his, they need a new stadium. His, <laughs> his, his turbo his trainers, we're going to get you on bikes. Yeah, <laughs> I've looked at this in detail and poured over everything possible in my audit, sports audit, sports and, audit. Um, and uh, I've come to the conclusion you're shit. <laughs> and you know you are. And you know you are. You, you've got some slight skin in this game, Stu, given you're a Man City fan. How do you think about it? Well, I mean, just summed it up nicely. I mean, look at it. It's from top to bottom. They're in a right mess at the moment, aren't they? Stadium, the, the sign-ins, the way they play. I've never seen a Man United team, and this has been said so many times, but you don't know what they stand for, what, what's their game plan. You look at Spurs now, you know, they just want to go for it, like the Red Arrows, you know, they play attacking football. You know, Man City, you know what they play. Man United, you just, what, what is their game plan? What are they doing? So, the, yeah, they're, they're, and all the United fans will say this themselves as well. They are all over the place from top to bottom. Top to bottom is a mess, which is, as a City fan, it's great. <laughs> Do you feel that you said about um, it's a mess? It kind of feels, or I don't know what you know who they are, what their identity is. Ever since Ineos became a sponsor of the team, you know, dragging it back to cycling, I've always thought that. Do you remember when he gave that awful when he talked about the sponsorship coming in, and he found it really difficult to justify why he was partnering with a chemicals company to sponsor his team, and he just never seemed to fit. And I just thought it always felt weird from there. I mean, I'm sure. I'll, obviously, I can't remember this, and I'm sure I'll get this wrong. But Froome did win as in in, under, in the tour under Ineos. But by then, he'd always, he was already taken a bit of a step back. Wasn't but it he, always from... felt a bit weird, and it was hard to justify. So he just—I think Brailsford's all over the place now, isn't he? Well, he's, I mean, but he's just with them as this great big, this massive company. He's, he's playing a, you know, a sports director role. I think the tour that Bernal won and the tour that Geraint Thomas won were both post the exit of Sky when Ineos had taken over. But after mm. since then, nothing. Yes, not the team they were. But that's the ebb and flow, isn't it? Because it, you know, also other teams, most notably Jumbo, but also UAE and the ascendancy now Bora, obviously Red Bull. So um, there, it goes a bit ebbs and flows, doesn't it? As it does in football with, you know, Man United. No team, stew can be on top forever. Has he got some more tricks up his sleeve, do you think? And also, can he apply them to yeah. football? Well, that's what I mean. But, but yeah, what's the marginal He came from a rugby bring? background, didn't he? He came from a rugby background originally. He did. He did. So it was rugby to cycling. So there's that. So he understands teams, but he understands teams, doesn't he? He understands team dynamics. Yeah. But how much of that, I mean, how open is football, I suppose, to people coming in from other sports? And what I don't, I don't know his precise role. But it's whether they'll, it's whether how how that will land within you know the existing hierarchy. Really, um, I don't know. It's a bit. It is a bit of an odd one. He is going to tell them, as Andy says, that they are crap. I've got a feeling uh, that most experts that look at Manchester United come away thinking that it's more than marginal games that might be required. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> There's a bit more wrong than this. It's not a few tweaks, guys. <laughs> Top to toe. No, it's it's slightly it? more. To toe. It, it, it is. Yeah. What's slightly more than a marginal uh, gain? A <laughs> Again, full game impact. Yeah, full, full game. impact. Full the impact. Big gain. Yeah, a marginal gain would be bringing in a a set pieces coach. Seems to be very fashionable these days. The kind of gain Man United need is probably bringing in a coach. I mean, the manager. I don't. Surely Ten Hag isn't going to. 
they've only not sacked him because there's nobody really to sack him. Uh, has it become a club also where nobody really wants this job? The money's the money's so big they'll take it. And obviously, saying you were a coach at Man United, obviously, you know a lot of coaches are going for that. I just don't think I don't know who else is out there at the moment. You know, fill the no. space have an impact or as you said potentially want it anyway you know all the best managers are tied up yeah it's it's um the thing about uh, a job like that is you've got to wait for the right person to be available before you sack the person you've got so andy earlier you mentioned uh the tour down under which uh, finished today i think now i've never watched a single kilometer of the tour down under ever this is a ever this is a race that has always passed me by but Andy, I think, I don't think it's passed you by. I think you've actually watched it, haven't you? Well, I watched the, you know, if you, um, you know, on Eurosport, you can get the whole stage uh, on demand, but then you can scroll through until basically <laughs> you scroll through a bit and think, mm, this is dull and scroll through a bit more and think, mm, this is dull. And then you go through to about, you know, 10 kilometers out or something. Um, so I did watch that. It's got it had some good, it had some good riders in. It's good to see those kind of, I mean, you know, obviously the big story was, Del Toro looks like a really exciting prospect. Didn't win, came in on the podium third. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not a very exciting. And there's something funny about Australia, and I, I, I'm sorry, Australians, but it's like a kind of. I don't think we've got any following us. Don't worry. No, <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't broke. We haven't broke that market yet. Well, it's sort of like a odd plastic place. So it's sort of a bit weird, really, because the countryside looks quite nice, but the towns are all made of corrugated iron, aren't they? And 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 the, the and everything's very kind of nicely kept because it's a sort of first world country in an extremely hot place. Obviously, massive colonial history glossing over here, but but the the um, there's something weird about Australia, which means that it's not for me. It doesn't have the romance of the of the you know of the Italian or the French or the Spanish landscape. It's like, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming here, it's done on wide open roads, like watching the Tour of California on those huge highways, which I could just Sundance. never get into. Yeah, Lars, you watched it though, didn't you? Did you watch it? What's it what was it like? Describe the no, no, right, I, what is that, would you uh, say? I, I would agree, but I think, it, it, you know, the problem is it, where it comes in the season and that we're sitting here in January. So it just feels, mm. it's lovely to watch sunny climbs, but it's, it's feels so far away because we're not going to be having those sunny climbs for quite a long time. So it's a bit of a, it's dis, dis, disjointed, but yeah, it is, it is on fairly big roads. The crowd, the crowds always seem great. Mm. Um, but yeah, it just feels a bit distant from the whole tour, from the whole rest of the season. You know, we're, the cycling season really kicks off with those hard winter single day races. We're going to start coming in, in February, March time. And it's like, this just seems a little bit wrong. It just looks like training, I guess. Yeah. And they don't, you know, I'm sure there must be some fairly big hills in Australia, but they're, they're, they can only seem to conjure up sort of three or four I, kilometer climb. I think it's actually lost a little. Remember, we, I think I watched it a bit more about say, five, six years ago, like a bit longer than that, maybe where you did used to get some bigger name riders going. Yeah. And if you look at it now, there is not Bigger name riders, really no. at all. Not I mean, really. is Alaphilippe there? I think. I think. And I think yep. I saw the word. No, he was. Uh, he was uh, in the top ten. Can't remember where. Yeah, Wollonga Hill. He was. I saw him. I saw yeah. that that one, and he made a break. Yeah. And it looked like he was going to win it, and then he just completely blew up with about two hundred meters to go, yeah. and just almost stopped, which is a bit weird. So obviously, they some of the big riders doing it for training, but it did, it, there was a period where it caught the imagination, and when Sagan used to go down there, and you, it felt like it was trying to be something in the tour. Whereas now, you think, well. You know, Van Aert and Van der Poel and Tom Pidcock still doing cyclocross and not going there. But you say big, um, big names, wasn't it? Just you know, for, it was won forty years in a row by Richie Port, wasn't it? It was just always Richie Port that won. Never lost him Longer Hill. Basically. He just always. It was like big yeah. names, and it's always just won by Richie Port. Yeah. Guy who won it, Williams. Does it? Um, Steve Williams Steve. won it. Yeah, Welsh. Stu Kraken. He's there still. He's, He's still there. <laughs> I'm still here. In Wales. <laughs> I'm not in Wales. I don't know where you got that from. Oh, uh, okay. I, I thought, thought you were in Wales. Where are you? No, I'm in Canada. Whoa, whoa. Hold on. That's bigger news. Broadcasting live from Canada. Oh, Canada. You said, wow. You said, you're not, you said you were in Wales. You're not in Wales. You're in Canada. I never said I was in Wales. Andy said I was in Wales. 
Why did you why keep the we... Canada, why did you keep the Canada thing un, under your you know why did you didn't tell us about that? In. We're twenty four oh, minutes in. Think, okay, you just drop you just drop the Canadian bombshell <laughs> now. I was, I was waiting for an end, but I mean we had Andy's hip. Brailsford. I, I was waiting for a natural pause. <laughs> I could have started with this. Okay, so go right, right. The fl- where the Bluminell are you then? Stu, he'd have written, he'd have written you a whole intro. Could have gone on for ages. <laughs> Come on, oh. whereabouts in Canada are you? I'm in Montreal. And. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so far it's cold, as you'd expect. It's, it's a little bit frigid. Uh, yeah. But I've seen more skiers than cyclists. Yeah. Give, give, us, a, seen... give us a bit of a why. Give us a yeah. bit of a why. Get... Why, yeah. why are you there? Why are you there? Well, I was a few days ago, I was in Chicago. And then Even better. I was there for work. Right. And I thought, you know, it's not great to come all this way just to go to one place. So I bolted on. A little trip on the way back. I've never been to Canada before or Canada, whichever you want to call it. I prefer calling it Canada. So uh, yeah, I popped back via Montreal to check out the cycling, but nice. it's not a lot of cyclists. I wouldn't blame them to be honest with you, because there's just snow everywhere, so it's dangerous, and also it's Baltic. Minus something. Can I just say, Steve, yeah. you've been to you went to Chicago, right, for work, mm. and then you thought you'd put a trip on on the way back. I'm just thinking that they're not, it's not nearby. You had all the places, you know, east of Chicago and you decided to go to Montreal. So again, I'll ask you why. I've never been. <laughs> it's not that far away. It's two hours. <laughs> Can I ask you, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to list all the places you've never been, but I bet there's quite a few in Northern America. But why Montreal? Oh, hang on. You've never been to Canada? Never been to Canada. I can see what's happening here immediately. Uh I can see what's happening. You're gonna be on the you're gonna be on the uh on the WhatsApp to Mick, a fellow friend of all of ours, aren't you, about this one? Oh, Trying to rack up more countries. Yes. Yeah. The uh, countries most travelled. Oh yeah. I see. The thing is, right, my other half has been to Canada and she doesn't want to come again. But I've never been. But you know, I've been to few, I've been to a few places in America, so uh, I thought I'd just yeah pop over, check it out. I suppose when Brilliant. you look at it on a map, it, it is a bit poppy overish, isn't it? Yeah. Really? It is. Thank yeah. It's, 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 it's an hour and three quarters flight, and it's the right yeah. way. It's coming back. Yeah, you're edging closer to home. Yeah. Exactly. So, so what do you do? What's what, do you, tell us the time? Tell us the weather. What are you doing tonight? You know what's going on? Well, it's three thirty over here. So, we, you know, we're five hours behind you guys in, in Blighty. You're um, travelling solo? Yeah. Lucky bastard. Yeah. Nice. Can you edit, the, edit that bit out there? So, well, so, so the, answer, <laughs> the answer to the question, what are you doing tonight, Stu, is whatever the hell I like. It's brilliant. Yeah, well, I went to a jazz bar last night. That was good. Oh, nice. Some live music, had a bit of food, you know, a couple of drinks. Then, you know, pounded the streets. But it, it is snow everywhere. And, of course, because it's so cold, the snow's not going anywhere. So it gets mashed up and it's a bit, you know, sludgy, sort of like, you know, grey, a dirty colour. They do have higher bikes here and bike lanes, but very few people are on them, which, as I said before, is because it's so cold. Yeah. And also, I'm not sure I would really want to be riding a bike here. Didn't see anyone riding in Chicago. I mean, I think at one point it got down to minus 19 and like you, Andy, there's not much grass up there on top, and my forehead was burning. Yeah, you need a you need a snood under helmet protection thing. I've, I've got my cycling yeah. under my only Rafa thing. I've got that with me. Mm. But so, yeah, so, um, so this is car. This is car carvey bike Montreal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking about it. I mean, if you're over here, you're not. The bike's never going to win with this weather. It's just not, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. No, no massive mountain bikes with huge, you know, snow tires on, anything like that. Well, I walked up a hill to a place called uh, Mount Royal or Mont Royal, where you, you know you walk up through a woods and it's all covered in snow. There's a few runners up there, lots of people skiing up there, you know, nice. cross country skiing. And I saw this is where I saw, I saw my first lot of bikes. There was a guy with an electric mountain bike and really thick tires. But there was a guy cycling up there on snow with a fixie. 
What? <laughs> Brilliant. Normal tires, and I was thinking, Craig, you're brave. Wow, hardcore. Yeah, hardcore. Almost everywhere I've ever been uh, cycling, I've seen some guy with a fixie trying to do it. There's always one. Almost everywhere. There's always one. There's always one. one. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And tell, I'd love to know more about Montreal because it's actually a city I'd quite like to go to. It's probably quite nice. Yeah. I'm in the old part. Obviously, it's very French. And you, it is French. But yeah, I mean, the main city is not as pretty as I thought it was going to be. It seems obviously like it, it doesn't seem like it's that old. And obviously, the architecture, you can see different different buildings that are popped over at different times. But the old part where I am, which is, you know, it's like, you know, cobbled streets. It's very sort of French and it's lovely. And there's nice restaurants and bars and what have you, lots of galleries, Loz. I was thinking of you walking past a few. That's nice. You're thinking of me. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, I was, you know, I was thinking ahead of this podcast, thinking how can I bring some cycling into it? Because there's not a lot of cycling here, Matt, unfortunately. I was going to ask you, given this is the, you know, we're jumping into the bike V car uh, section, draw, draw a contrast between Montreal and Chicago then. How is Chicago from a from a cycling perspective? Well, as I said, I didn't see one cyclist. I didn't see one cyclist, I mean, but there are cycle lanes. And I was chatting to people about it and they said, well, in the summer people do cycle. But obviously it's too cold for them. They say even walking, walking out there, with the wind, it does get windy, as you know, and that's when it really starts to kick in. So I don't blame anybody for not cycling there. Um, yeah, lots of cars. I even saw a car crash when I was there. Car v car. Car v car, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was quite Chicago. Again, was quite quiet. It's quite similar to New York, but a bit smaller. Was it, your, big was, stuff, big was it your kind of town? Well, again, lots. I didn't really see much because I was working. And I was taken out every night. So I was, you know, I didn't get time to explore. I'd managed my lunchtime to go for a walk down the lake. And it was a bit like you know, mad dogs and Englishmen. I was the only person down there. <laughs> you know, everyone else was driving around in their cars or indoors. Uh, it's just obviously not the time of year to come. But there you go. To me, that made it more interesting because it's, you know, it's quite quiet and it's so cold. So it's more remarkable. More I'm quite envious, really, and I, I wonder if it is quite a good time to go. I mean, it might not might be for the cycling element, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's a pretty snowy part of the world, isn't it, this time of year? Yeah, I mean, it's big snow, it's big, yeah, big minus temperatures. I mean, I look back at the news and it's it's pretty cold over there. Is it is it, is it like freezing over there now? Not now. So we've got a storm, what is it? Storm uh, Isha has now hit. So, yeah. We've gone yeah. from uh, we've gone from sort of two or three degrees to twelve today, so it's, it's right. uh, so we were worried about you being in Wales because Wales has had it hard, but you were nowhere near stormy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, instead of I've, I've hit minus nineteen. Well, yeah. I hope you've got a nice it's warm okay as long as you dress. I mean, as we said, like been on the bike as long as you've got the right clothes on. But if the wind comes in, it does hurt. Oof. Did you did you take uh, what's that called? Heat tech Uniqlo. Did you? Hey, we could be sponsored by that's, Uniqlo, that's, we, anyway? That's Uniqlo. <laughs> Heat tech by Uniqlo. They do have poor, they do have, I do find they do have poor um, customers. Oh, no, here we go. Delivery. Oh, oh. <laughs> There's always something, you see. We still have ill fitting. Right just a little bit ill fitting as well. Yeah, they yeah. don't wash very well, I find as well. <laughs> I went to, Whereas I, went to, I don't know, she might have she might have purchased a Canada goose. Yeah. No, no, I haven't. I've, I've borrowed my brother's coat. Actually, it's pretty good, keeping me warm. Canada goose, not as good as Stu's brother's coat. <laughs> 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 Obviously, we're talking about bike v car now. This week, well, fifteenth of Jan was National Pothole Day, and British Cycling did a. Uh, they're doing launched a new campaign around potholes. Do you, what's it like over there in Canada? Is that how? What's the condition of the roads like? I suppose you can't tell because it's snowing. Well, the condition of the roads are terrible, but like the pavements. But it's the way of life out here. You have to wear the right boots, the right clothes. As I said, not many cyclists are out and about on the roads, and I don't blame them because I wouldn't feel comfortable on a bike when there's snow and slush and ice everywhere. I'm not seeing many potholes because say it's covered in ice, covered in snow. I had a, I when I was cycled to Paris. Years ago, did it a few times. On the first day, one guy hit a pothole, the Kent country lanes, and he went straight over and broke his collarbone. And that was his that was his uh, trip to Paris done, dusted, finito. 
Ooh, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, I think, I think a lot of people are fearful of getting on their bike because they've been hit by a, you know, a car and they feel don't feel safe. But actually, that's just another hazard, isn't it? The potholes. I think it's a biggie, actually. It's one of the things that does really, really get on my nerves. And you can only really tell how bad the roads are here sometimes when you are cycling on French roads. I think, oh my God, it's so, it is so smooth. This just feels amazing, especially when you're going up climbs. I used to cycle a lot before, pre-COVID, from Peckham over to Chiswick. Lots have done this ride as well. And uh, it's about 12 miles or 20 kilometres. And there's a stretch of road. I don't have to go down it, but it was the easiest way. It was the easiest part of the route past King's Hospital, Camberwell. And it's always an absolute nightmare. It's a really busy road, right? And you think, why has this never been fixed? And you've got loads of roads. In fact, I was walking around near Nunhead Cemetery today, and one of the local sort of small minor roads has been beautifully resurfaced. Do you think there's no, nobody drives down here? That's been resurfaced, but the, the road that goes past King's College Hospital, really busy bus route, is just rutted and full of potholes. And it used to really get on my nerves. And I'm a, you know, relatively experienced cyclist. But I think you're right, Stu. There's something about that. It does that does. I think getting punctures and the condition of the roads is a massive deal for a lot of people. I think oh, I'm just I'm just not going to bother doing it because of the the conditions of the roads and potholes are damaged badly bad enough for cars. You know they do damage cars, but when you're out cycling, they are a real hazard, aren't they? Well, they're a real hazard when the pothole. And you, you know that we've all done that. You kind of get thrown off, but obviously. You've got to go round the pothole, and then you get some motorist who starts honking. Well, why are you doing that? But that's what I was just about to say. Yeah, it, it, with the bike v car situation, it is with people not being being annoyed with cyclists. But then, if you are trying to avoid a pothole and the car driver doesn't really know what you're doing and thinks you're just weaving in and out, they, they haven't got a clue how bad it is for a cyclist. So that's when it becomes really dangerous. Andy, yeah. you must have a pothole story to share. I, I can't think of a specific one, but. Um... <laughs> And I feel like it's a Just kind give us of a top three. I kind of feel like the conversation about potholes is somewhere balanced precariously between something that matters a lot and something very Alan Partridge. But, but of course, because of course it is, it's genuinely very dangerous. But also, I feel like if you moan about potholes too much, then you're at, at severe risk of being a kind of. I'm just uh, thinking of your hip. I'm just thinking of your hip post-operation. You know, uh, this very delicate yeah, I don't frame want you'll have. I don't want potholes. I do think that the point Stu made is probably the most important one about them, which is that um, you know, for instance, when we did Nightingale Lane the other day uh, on our festive fifty, when you go down the hill to get to Nightingale Lane, you kind of go along the bottom road before you turn right to go up. There's a series of potholes on the left hand side there which mean you have to be in the middle of the carriageway to miss them and there's always somebody kind of right up your backside kind of trying to get around at that point but i just point at them i just make really big gesticulations when i'm on my bike you know to try in the hope that the the penny will drop and they'll realize that the reason i'm sitting out i mean i don't think you should cower in the in the gutter anyway but the, the reason why i'm you know, just to be clear, you're not having a go at primary. the pothole itself. You're, t- nope. you're telling the driver behind you. You're not, you know, you're not saying, yeah, I'm, you I'm signaling. <laughs> or you pothole, sort yourself out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a, probably a very important political point here, which is about, you know, the local authorities, councils going yeah. bust left, right and centre. Exactly. They've got lots of statutory duties like, you know, social care and child, children's care and so on that they, they have to look after. And they have to prioritise those things, and that's the reason why potholes don't get filled. But anyway, that's not probably haven't got time for that. No, we need to have an international, uh, well, lots of international stage races, and then local authorities will invest in their road infrastructure in order to bring the race to their area, like they do in France and Italy and Spain. Yeah, that's all those right. places. That's uh, yeah. you know, the Tour de France has helped pave pave France, really, hasn't it? Yeah, the tarmac confronts right, yeah. <laughs> the Well, the trouble is, we need uh, a road surface. The trouble is, though, I think you need a race that somebody watches first, which I'm not sure the Tour of Britain quite is, is there. Is it really? Well, it's gone into in administration, hasn't it? The Tour yeah, of Britain yeah, well, uh, and the, uh, the, the women's tour. That the, um, that's, they're both in jeopardy now, I think, which should yeah, be, obviously yeah. be a real shame. 
it would be a real shame. But it's never really been very stable, has it? I remember the old days of the milk race and so on. It's never really been financially very viable. So obviously we've gone, uh, we've done potholes there. So uh, <laughs> another, another. He wants the full, you want the full hip replacement, don't you? You don't want a little, you don't want a little resurfacing, do you? you I'm waiting for the jingle. You wait for the. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't know whether we. Uh, whether we whether we've done them enough enough times yet for the worthy of jingles, but uh, cyclocross corner, come in, Lars, with cyclocross corner. <laughs> uh, I've I've literally better been be good talking before before I rejoined and started this podcast. Um, the hot news <laughs> today: Mathieu van der Poel did not win. Oh wow! Ooh. Uh, he was it's the World Cup in Benidorm. Gout van Aert. Managed to take the win because oh, uh, we, he wasn't caught on camera, but uh, Van der Poel had it, fell, came off. We didn't see how. He looked back angrily at the crowd. So I haven't read to see, obviously can't give you too many facts, but I haven't read to see exactly what happened there. But he came off, heroically tried to get back, uh, but couldn't quite make it on the last lap. So uh, Gout Van Aert takes that victory. Mm. A little, I don't, little, I don't Timmy, understand. Little Timmy Podcott. <clears throat> uh, Timmy Podcott was about fifth, I think. Um the World Cup, I don't understand the World Cup versus all the others. You know, it's good that was a World Cup race. There's a World Cup standings. I don't know. Well, we are looking to you for the insight. If you don't know, get I'll, it, then I'll, we're I'll never going to I'll bring get that it. back next time. Um, there's been nationals as well. There's been all the nationals. Mm-hmm. And all the usual people that win the nationals won the nationals. That's all you need to know. Didn't the British, with the, the British women, she won by four minutes? Wasn't that a massive win now you're, for whoever won you, that? Well, see, I've got you, I've caught you out. You've obviously Ooh. got some news there. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that on the Twitter. That's all I saw was it on the oh. Twitter. That's it. That's all I got. No, it's all you got. Okay. So, for, well, seamlessly from uh, Cyclocross Corner to, uh, well, I'll <laughs> let you say your own gravel stretch, Andy. Gravel. That's all you come here for, isn't it? Um, I'd, I honestly, look, I'm ashamed to admit that I don't know whether there is any gravel racing or not at the moment. I don't think there is. <laughs> what point? If we did this for 12 months, right? What, there must be one point of the year where there is gravel. So when is it? It's the stop clock syndrome, isn't it? He has used I, this I, excuse. I know. This is 18 episodes oh, okay. in, right? Andy, Andy and, when, uh, when, when's the best time for gravel? <laughs> when's the best time of the year for gravel? Gravel. Well, I'll tell you what the... I don't know. But I, tell you, I don't know what the best time... We'll, we'll find out. I'll tell you what. I'll find out next... next for next time, I'll find out when there is some gravel racing in the year. But I tell you what the best conditions for gravel are. Gravel. Gravelly. It's got to be gravelly. I think we did cover what we meant by that in uh, in the last yeah. episode, didn't we? I think we may have to put you up front. I think next time, then, if you're going to give this uh, in-depth analysis of I don't the, think of the gravel cycling calendar. Honestly, I, I reckon you can quite safely mothball gra- gravel stretch for a, a few more episodes. I don't think there's any gravel racing. I've got a feeling it comes in a bit towards the end of the uh, main world tour. But uh, but that is a guess in the, uh, in the fine traditions uh, of this podcast. Enjoy your research over the next yeah. few days. <laughs> Look, we'll bring you uh, next. Uh, tune in next time for more insights from uh, Gravel Stretch. Does anybody have any AOB? I do I don't know if you saw this, Matthew, but there was um, a new survey that revealed that seven out of ten people in England never ride a bike. This has come from the government. Wow, seven out of ten. Wow, yeah, never seven. ride a bike. Never I'm, I'm thinking my mind, casting my mind back to your previous interesting stats, Stu, from a few weeks ago, which was, was it 46, 7% of Londoners don't have a car? Yes. So, so you then, say have, oh, don't ever ride, don't, have, have never ridden a bike or don't ever ride a bike? Everyone, let's face it, most people would have at some point ridden a bike. But what they're saying is now, seven out of ten people never ride a bike, as in frequently, regularly, whatever you want to get. Across I the UK. I see that for my parents. I mean, in their 80s, they, mm. I mean, the last time they rode a bike, God knows when, they would never ride a bike. They don't own a bike. But this is all people. It's a lot, isn't it? So it is. And given the government target for cycling by 2030 is that 50% of all journeys in towns and cities are taken by bike. Yeah. That is the that, government that, target. That would be more... That, but that that would be more than Ghent. 
that's a that's a bit of a stretch target there, isn't it? Isn't it? I thought only well, thirty percent of journeys in in most of most Dutch cities fifty yeah, so fifty percent by twenty thirty. You don't. That is the target, but you don't know Ghent's target. So you know Ghent probably has an even stretchier target. They probably looked at the UK's targets. Hang on a minute, we've got to go big here. No, what I mean is that that's been Ghent has been thirty thirty years yeah. of continuous investment in in cycling infrastructure. So um, that's the target. That is only that six is years. But two is it? I obviously haven't checked this. I thought two currently stubbornly two percent of journeys are made by. Are made by bike. I don't know if it's in London or in the UK. It's stubbornly low, right? So it's got to go from two to thirty. I'm just in trying six to see years. if this is. I'm looking. I'm looking you at a GovDoc UK. Uh, yeah, well, live checking. That sounds harder than than Dave yeah. Brailsford's job at Man United. <laughs> so this is the. Um, this is. I knew this anyway, but this is the uh, second. You see, I, you could move me from gravel stretch to. Uh, uh, government cycling policy. We'd we'd stretch. never move you from gravel. You can take on two items, but we're never going to move you from gravel stretch. You're just made for it, you see. Um, the 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 second walking and cycling investment strategy, tenth of March, twenty twenty three. Yep, says it doesn't. I'm looking for where it says there are the current the current levels of cycling. But our aim is ambitious 50 percent of all journeys in towns and cities should be walked or cycled oh sorry i missed that key bit of information <laughs> that that uh, does change things somewhat that does change things a bit so it's walked or cycled which uh oh well i imagine they're probably closer to that target then than uh than we might have the otherwise policy thought. wonk in the corner went a bit wonky there, didn't <laughs> it? Did. yeah that's right well, I suppose yeah. with the walking, because you probably have these stats in front of you now, because isn't it something like 75, I'm, I'm making a figure up here, but I'm, I'm hopeful I'm, I'm close yeah. enough, 75% of journeys in London are five kilometres or less, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, most journeys are really short. Uh, uh, yeah. So the idea is that, here. you know, you want to replace, if you're, if you're, you know, we don't want people driving for a mile, do we? That's what basically it's trying to do. So walk it or no. cycle it. And it probably is it a walk, it is, to no. be honest, rather than cycle. Wow. Yeah. Just, just reading more than this. Seventy percent of people who, people in an average week, they never travel by bike. Wow. Then it goes on to talk about that bicycle ownership is linked to household income. How many bikes have you got, Andy? Some. <laughs> so you're obviously doing very well, but that Some. doesn't really make sense, is it? Because you know, I yeah, well, exactly. Lawrence, Lawrence points to his bike. Um, they're saying that if you are, you know households who don't have a good income are less likely to have a bike but obviously cycling is the most affordable way apart from walking to get around as i'm sure we've said on previous podcasts right me getting yeah. rid of my car i think is at least a minimum saving me 300 pounds a month but having said that if cycling is not safe or it's too far to get to work well, so let's compare that Let's compare it to Flanders. I'm reading the 2023 UCI Mobility and Bike City Forum, which was in Flanders. The difference there in 2023, the Ministry of Mobility and Public Works published a bicycle ambition with 27 bicycle related goals three leading through to 2024, 2040. 25 is ambition support or contribute to one or both of the two core objectives to reach by 2040. A 30% modal share for bicycle trips. It's currently at 18%. I don't know what the modal share is. What's that? Just the, the, of all travel, I guess. I think so. It'll be something. Uh, and, and here's here's a really interesting one: an overall amp core objective to reach by 2040, no more cyclists or pedestrians dying in traffic accidents. Zero tolerance. Why not? Why not? I think I think this because people don't perceive it as safe. They don't. It's not seen as being a viable form of transport for a lot of people. Just don't think about it. They cycle when they're kids, and then they don't cycle when they're adults. And so it is. I can see how that. You know, that kind of, it looks then in the end of like a sort of relatively well-off people get bikes as a pastime or a hobby rather than, you know, I mean, I've cycled all my life and cycled to work, but, you know, and it saved me hundreds of thousands and not hundreds of thousands, thousands and thousands of pounds over the years. But um, well, that's just, another thing that Flanders is doing. They're saying yeah. here about they're giving a 0.25, 0.25 euro per kilometre 
is exempt from income tax and social security contributions, yeah. which was introduced in May, and it's going in, going to be increased from 2025. So you're basically giving people tax breaks to cycle. I think you've got to make you've got to do that, haven't you? I think you should just give people bikes, really, mm. because they're not that expensive, are they? Wouldn't cost the state very much. Would save a fortune. Probably very productive Cy- as well. Mm. Cycling can be expensive, but it just doesn't have to be. Does doesn't it? have to you be. Know, you doesn't have yeah. to be. You could but do that it, nationwide it, investment, though, I remember, you know, we're old enough to remember before pre-internet. I remember the early, late 1990s and, well, yeah, late 1990s when this was happening. There was a whole thing basically getting everybody on decent broadband and, or getting everybody onto a computer and giving a national a laptop to every household in the country. Mm. And they, it was like £750 million pounds in compared to mm. other investment schemes. Not very which much. Which is nothing. Which yeah. is nothing. It's peanuts. But we they don't did, do it. But they we did, don't what, do that big social change yeah. investment. They did do that, though. Wasn't it Manchester or Liverpool years ago? The Green Bike Initiative. They just basically they basically produced bikes and then it was left left around. And they all ended up in the skip. Uh, it just didn't yeah. succeed. And it was, um, you know, the, it was literally giving the, bike, giving the bikes away or just mm. having them. You could jump on them and then, you know, leave them somewhere else. People ended up keeping them in the houses and kind of going against the whole ethos of it. And it kind of failed, even though the bikes were free. The tech's different, though, now, isn't it? Because, you know, the the the, mm. the fact is that you can, you know, line bikes end up all over the place and in canals and stuff, nevertheless. But, you know, you can, uh, they're traceable. They're, you know, even if you didn't charge for those street bikes, line bikes, Santander bikes, whatever, you would still have a system whereby you could you know keep track of them maintain them recover them take them to you know all that system's now in place which wasn't in those you know the text there and the system is in place and i think the big game changer is probably um gosh this is opening up a big subject towards the end the uh the big game changer is going to be e-bikes isn't it um i read a study about this recently which is very interesting which suggested that e-bikes were uh much better for people's health in aggregate than non-e-bikes and that is for one reason is because people use them so if you if you have a an ordinary bike that you don't use that's worse than having an e-bike that you do use and people use them because they they make Mm. it easier that's stunned matthew no, I'm just thinking, no, I just think we, we have opened up, like you say, an hour in, we've opened up a whole area of policy conversations here. I'm no, trying to think of a, well, Andy's I'm trying to think of a corner we can give you. What do we, what do we call it for him? What do we, uh, <laughs> policy corner? No, I don't, what, what? I don't want to give alliteration here instead. He's wonky. I don't know. What is it? A wonky, policy wonky. <laughs> something. <laughs> Let's not go there. Pendo, Pendo's policy something. Parcel, uh, oh, I don't know. Prattle. I think of something. Prattle. Pendo's policy prattle. There you go. <laughs> That's it now. That'll stick. So does anybody else have any other AOB? Well, I'll tack on to that oh, AOB. But only quickly. <laughs> I was, but because, because I was going to mention... All the, the other, all the other cycling podcasts are over an hour, Matt. I know. All of them. You <laughs> can keep going. This is just uh, there's no, more no. AOB than on bloody other the main bit of the content. This, 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 this is an AOB for next the next pod to discuss to go away and think. Because oh. I mentioned Flanders anyway, I was going to mention Flanders. Now, obviously, none of us are going to ride Flanders, even though it'd be a lovely thing to do. But it's coming up, and it's not far away to get to. And we didn't manage to go and see a cyclocross race, so I'm putting it out Yet. there. No, and, and season's nearly finished. I'm putting it out there. Do we want to discuss? I know we need, we still need to come back to Stu and give us all the details on the tour that he's planning. But do we want to do one nighter in Flanders? Yes, yes. make it happen. Let's do so, it. So let's think about that. Okay. Can we get the train there? Uh, ooh. Well, let's do some investigation. I think Loz and I have looked at that. It's not that easy. But um, let's uh, let's 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 hold it over for the next time, shall we? So is and there I, any more? I, yes, I did actually have one more. <laughs> Well, right, Andy. What's no. your AOB? She's got some well, tourism to go and do. Oh. Well, He's got some more sorry, jazz Stu. to go and see tonight. <laughs> Keep it going. Keep it going. Which time's due out right. on his afternoon in Montreal? Um, He's only got an hour. He's on hotel broadband. So, this I'm not quite sure whether to go here or not. But I'll go here a little bit and I'll leave it, and then we can come back to it or not. I signed up to a WhatsApp group that David Miller has started. Who 
you know, you you will know is on a rival podcast as well as a, a high profile commentator and former pro rider. And um, he started this WhatsApp group, which he's kind of, you know, promoted through chapter three. So if you've ever bought anything from chapter three, I think you've got the invitation code. And it's, um, it sounded to me like not necessarily a great idea, which is he's trying to do something new in the new year and thought he'd start this WhatsApp group of all the people who were on chapter three, uh, chapter three customers and so on. So I signed up with the WhatsApp code. And can you guess what it's like? Free for all, just giving him grief, maybe? I don't know. No, Possibly. no, it's not a free for all giving him grief. Who do you th- What do you think the demographic is first? Well, I'll tell you, it's middle-aged it's men. men it's middle-aged yeah. men. So it's people like me. And then, it, and then w- what do you think they're talking about? Gravel bikes? <laughs> bikes, Strava Times, kit. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, it seems moderately interesting, but, but it's, it is like torture. It is like torture. And it's, is it mammal-tastic? Anyway, it's is it just like a mammal, a mammal forum, basically? Mammal yeah. forum, yeah. yeah. Are you? Are so you, I don't are you just? Are you, lur- are you lurking, Andy? In it? Is that what you're doing? I'm lurking. Well, yeah, I'm a lurker. I think, Andy, what you what you could be doing is is promoting for the love of Pog. Good idea. I could, I could do that. Would be our biggest piece of promotion ever, wouldn't it? If I stuck a link. What price do you not to do that? <laughs> well, if you either do that. Or the alternative is just give Lindsay the code and let him go on there. Oh, that would be, yeah, that would be. <laughs> that might require too much explanation, really, to uh, <laughs> catastrophic. <laughs> right, I am going to draw this to a... There's no more AOB, is there? I'm not going to bring any more AOB. Don't allow any more. No, there's no more. There's no more. So shall we uh, Shall we call it a day then, chaps? Enjoy your night out in uh, in Canada, Stu. Stay warm, in Canadian, Stu. Montreal. In Mount Royal. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye, bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.